Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Well, hey, good morning again. My name's Kenny, and I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here. And uh, I don't know if you've ever ran into situations and moments where uh, you've been told something all your life, and it's become a tradition in your life, something that you've heard, something that you believed was absolutely true, and that you held as gospel truth, that at one point in your life, you found out that it actually was not true. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before. Um, but if it hasn't, I'm about to rock some of your worlds, okay? I got, I got a few things here that I want you to know that are misconceptions that you have heard most of your life that you now believe traditionally that are true that are untrue, all right? You guys ready for some of these? It's going to get you. Now, if you got kids in the room, don't be mad at me. But you've been told that you cannot swim until at least 30 minutes after you've eaten. You guys, y'all been told that, right? That ain't, that ain't true, that's a lie. Somebody lied to you. Like studies literally have shown that that's not accurate. My mama said, you're going to get a cramp. I, I'm just saying, I never got a cramp. And so I wondered. And so I did some study and I found out that that's not true. You know, another one that uh, is, it's my wife gives me a hard time because I've done this a lot is she warns me that when I swallow my gum, that it ain't coming out for another seven years. Anybody ever been told that? Well, I did some research and my wife is wrong. And that is not true. The truth is, is that your body can't even digest that stuff. So it's just turning it and getting it, getting it out, all right? So you can swallow all the gum you want. That's doctor's orders. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now, if, if you swallow gum and you get sick, I'm not, I'm not paying your doctor bill, okay? Now, there's another one. That there was an entire Friends episode based off of this one, right? That if you get stung by a jellyfish, that you, you know, use the restroom on it, and it'll take the sting out. Anybody ever tried that? Okay, nobody's going to raise their hand. Well, let me just tell you, don't, because otherwise you're just going to have pee on you. It ain't, it ain't doing no good, all right? It's not doing any good. Another one is this, a misconception that people believe and hold on to as truth is that eventually everything comes back into style. Have y'all heard that? Let me just go ahead and tell you, that ain't true. Men, those cargo jeans and shorts y'all been wearing... They ain't coming back. Go ahead and throw those things away. Burn them. Use the fire pit. Whatever. Just go ahead and goodwill those things. And while I'm at it, let me just go ahead and say, men, like athletic shorts with your shirt tucked in, that ain't coming back either. All right? Let, just let, that, let those things go. So here's the thing. Well, I think we've all seen things in our life in these. Now, those are going to be debates around your lunch table. I have no doubt of their validity, and you're going to go back and do some research, and you're going to find that I'm right about all three of those things, um, actually all four of them. And you're going to have some discussion. But there's another area that I've noticed that this is true. Um, and this is an area in and around the church where I've noticed that there are uh, things that have been misconceptions, things that people grab onto as the absolute truth and that they believed it because traditionally this is the way it's always been, um, that I think is way more dangerous than swallowing some gum <laughs> Uh, and way more dangerous than potentially getting a cramp after eating and jumping back in the pool. And it's around this idea of how people believe that you get into heaven. There's this misconception that I hear happen uh, and shared all of the time that because I prayed a prayer at one point that I'm going to be in heaven. 
Now, I, I have these conversations often with people because I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pastor, so I talk to people about Jesus. And, uh, and I'll ask them this straightforward question. Hey, tell me why it is you believe that you are a Christian and you have security to know that you will one day be in heaven with God. And I get all kinds of different answers, and I'm sure many of you have kind of some of these different uh, answers in your own head and in your own heart for yourself. But one of the ones that I hear most often is this. Someone says, well, I was raised in the church. And and then I'll say, okay, and then someone else will uh, respond, well, I've, I've been a Christian all my life. And I'm like, Interesting. Tell me how that happened. Um, and, and, then, and then, of course, I often hear stories of uh, a teenager who went to a, a Halloween turn or burn uh, service <laughs> and somebody tried to scare them, in, uh, scare them out of hell and into heaven. And so they prayed a prayer of fear in a moment, and then they believed that that was a moment of salvation for them. And unfortunately, uh, this is part of, part of my problem as well, was one of the things that, that I thought happened, and I saw it happen all the time, was that I'd be in a church service, and a pastor would lead people through a prayer, and people would raise their hand and, and say they got saved, and they, they believed that, but then along their life, there was never actually fruit. Nothing really changed in them. And so there are many people, especially in the South, who have lived their lives because they prayed a prayer at one point, and they believe that because they prayed that prayer, that they are a Christian and they are going to heaven. And I want to lovingly tell you today that that is not necessarily true. And so today, very simply, very very plainly today, I want to talk to you, I want to share with you, I want to say to you that salvation is available for you And it's not just because you prayed a prayer. I want to tell you very simply today what the scriptures say so that when you walk out of here today, you can know with assurance, with certainty, that at some point, maybe it has been in your past or maybe it's even today, that you are actually a Christian and that you will one day spend eternity in heaven. See, this is heavy on my heart because Jesus said something that that really terrifies me as a pastor. Because the more conversations I have with people, the more of these kinds of things that I hear, and it scares me. Because Jesus said on the Sermon on the the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, he says this, and this will be on your screen for you to see. He said this in verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, meaning the judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? They're saying, Lord, we, we did all these things for you. In verse 23, Jesus says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Man, I don't know about you, but that verse terrifies me. And and as a pastor responsible to try to lead and teach and, and care for the souls of people, this is one of the things that I see often, especially in the South. Because we have a a lot of tradition-filled things where you maybe have a similar situation that I had. I I had a drug problem as a kid. And I know you might be looking at me being like, a drug problem as a kid? Yeah, yeah. My mama drug my tail to church on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night Bible study, Wednesday night this and that prayer on Saturday morning, and back again on Sunday. Anybody have a drug problem as a kid? I know some of y'all did, yeah. 
And the thing that happens with that is that we see all of these things. We're around church all of our life. We know all of the stories. Uh, We know all about God. We probably even know lots of the scriptures and maybe having some of it memorized. And maybe even at some point, someone led us in a prayer because we showed some interest in who Jesus was. They led us in a prayer and said, hey, you're good, you're saved. And we've held on that to the rest of our days. That's my story. That happened to me as well. I had that moment as well. And so I just can assume that there are several of us that are like that. The most famous of scriptures, whether you've been in church one time, maybe you've never been to church before, maybe today's your very first time. Welcome, we're glad you're here. Uh, Maybe you've been going to church all your life, but the most famous of scriptures, if you're in any of those categories, you probably could still give me most of John 3.16. It's the the one that most people have an idea about. But what most people don't know is that scripture actually comes in the context of the middle of a conversation. Jesus was having a conversation uh, with a man named Nicodemus who had spent his entire life in church. Uh, He was now a scholar and a leader in the church. He knew everything there was to know about God. And then when Jesus, God's only son, shows up to earth and he starts walking and preaching and performing miracles, Nicodemus and the other leaders have this concern. And so Nicodemus is inquisitive and he decides that he's going to spend some time and meet Jesus, but he's afraid to do it in the day, so he meets with him at night. And this is where the most famous scripture happens. I want you to see this conversation. Because I think it gives us clarity, and Jesus tells us very specifically what it looks like to be saved. Join me, if you have your Bible, join me in John chapter 3. Join me in John chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible, uh, you can pull up the YouVersion app, maybe the Home Church app. Uh, If you're watching online, we'll throw it right here at my feet, and if you're in the room, we'll put it on the screens. Here's how this conversation goes. John chapter 3, starting verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, verily I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter in a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Verily I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. The flesh gives birth to the flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Puzzled, right? Nicodemus, how can this be? You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things. Verily I tell you, uh, when we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. This is Jesus, again, speaking about himself. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then you know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Many of you knew about this scripture. Many of you have heard this verse before, but many of you did not know it was in the context of a conversation with someone like many of us who had been around church, who knew everything about God. And here Jesus is sitting with Nicodemus, having a conversation, and he tells him very clearly, very plainly, what it takes to be saved. I think I can read pretty well, but uh, our friends at The Chosen actually did a beautiful job of crafting what this conversation would look like, and I think it's a powerful way for you to see this most important scripture in its context. I want you to take a look at this. Could you imagine that moment? Nicodemus face to face with God himself, Jesus. And could you imagine walking away from that moment knowing that at some point, nothing else is going to be the same? Jesus spoke very clearly. And he said, to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. All of us are born by water, humanly. But to enter into heaven, you must be born fresh and anew of the Spirit. And he gave an invitation. And the reality is, is that same invitation is on offer for you today as well. The invitation to come and to follow, to put your trust in Jesus, to receive the gift of faith that only the Spirit of God can give you a new heart, a new creation. Nicodemus was faced with this reality, and, and maybe you've wondered uh, about what, what did happen with Nicodemus. Well, the scriptures let us know that as Jesus was about to go on trial, that Nicodemus was helping speak on his behalf a little bit. And then, ultimately, Jesus is crucified. On that cross, he paid the price for your sin and for mine, and for Nicodemus' sin as well. Nicodemus came to meet Jesus in the middle of the night because it would change all of the tradition, all of the religion, all of the things that he knew about. And he thought he would be in trouble with the religious leaders because of this, even this conversation, let alone what might happen next. And the reality is, is that for some of you, you are confronted right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. You feel it in your heart. You feel this drawing of the Spirit happening just as I speak that God is trying to draw you in. He's trying to speak to you. He's trying to change your heart. But the problem is, is for us to have salvation, Jesus needed to die. Jesus died on that cross and we see something really beautiful happen. John 19 in verse 38. This is right after Jesus' death. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes 
and about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. What changed in Nicodemus? He had this moment where Jesus told him the reality, the good news of the gospel, that anyone who puts their faith and their belief in Jesus would be saved. Anyone who receives the gift of faith would be born again spiritually. There's only one explanation that a Jewish scholar and a rabbi and someone who had spent an entire life in the church now in this moment after Jesus' death would be found in the middle of the day helping carry his body. The Spirit gave him a new heart. Could you imagine all he lost after this? Could you imagine all that he gave up? Some of you right now are considering what that would mean knowing the tug on your heart, knowing that maybe you've told people all along that you prayed a prayer when you were six years old, but God's spirit is trying to draw you in right now. And the only way that new life can happen, new birth can happen is when something dies. And the only way for you to have a spiritual rebirth is for your old life to die. Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross. He's asking you to give up your life so that he can give you new life. The way to salvation is through Christ Jesus alone. To have your heart become new is the only way. Not just because you prayed a prayer, not because you spent your whole life going to church and you know all the things, but because a work of the Holy Spirit changed your heart. Over the next few moments, we're gonna sing a song that's just gonna invite you to surrender, whatever it is that you're holding on to. It's gonna invite you to make room in your heart for God to work and for God to change your heart. And so church, I'll invite you to stand. And as you do, I wanna pray over you. And we're gonna sing this song and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna give you a chance to respond to the Holy Spirit's work in your heart today. Would you bow your heads? Father, we praise you right now. We say thank you for your son, Jesus. God, we say thank you for the gift of the Spirit working and moving right now. And so, Father, as we take these next few moments and as we sing, God, I pray that these aren't just words. I pray that this is, uh, this is a cry of our heart, God, that you would continue to move amongst our hearts, that you would draw people to yourself, that we would surrender our life, that we would give up what we've got to take what you've got for us. God, I pray that you would speak to the, to the hearts of your sons and daughters over these next few moments. Be faithful as you always are to draw people to yourself. And so, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.